are listening to 88.9 WFSC Edinburgh. Good morning and welcome to On the Boards. My name is Joshua Coffrin. Alongside me in the booth is Mike and Chewy. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing well, man. I can't complain. It's Tuesday. 
It's do a it. Tuesday, but yeah. it's a Tuesday after the one na- of the national biggest games in uh, you know basketball for the year. Um, do any any uh, initial thoughts on that before we kind of talk about it for a little while? What do, what do you guys think? Like, if you had to give it a grade, A, B, C, D, you can give you can give it like a B plus or something like that. But, but uh, what do you think the quality of the game was? <laughs> I'd probably give it like a like a C plus. Okay. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I was telling um, Josh earlier. I didn't even watch the game because I just felt like it wasn't going to be that entertaining. I thought that there were two like good, good um, senior leading teams, but there wasn't any like superstars out there, and it just didn't entice me. I mean, I watched the highlights and stuff, and you know, did some breakdown on it. But of course, but I I, I thought the game was going to be exactly how it ended up playing out. So. I mean, the best. The most talented player on that team is Justin Jackson, right? Right. That's the only yeah. guy that's going to be able to do anything in the future. But, but yeah, I don't. Know. I was watching it and it was, it was all right. I mean, even at the end, even Roy Williams was said in the interview that it wasn't that nobody played well. Yeah. They played hard, but they yeah. didn't play well. And when a coach actually says that at the end of the game, like that's what he's thinking about, it's usually not a good sign. <laughs> the always critical Roy Williams. That's yeah, why right. he has all that success. Well, they did end up passing Duke now for national championships, and they have six to their name, okay. three under Williams. So that's a that's pretty big. And they're also the only team to have uh, championships in four decades, spanning four decades, which is pretty impressive. Very impressive. Um, and it's probably the only thing Tyler Hansborough has done in his life. It's like goatee, because <laughs> he didn't didn't do much after that. But um, is this looking like? Is I know North Carolina is up there as far as elite programs, but does that does them winning put them in the same bracket as UCLA and Kansas and Kentucky, or not even Kentucky? I wouldn't put Kentucky up there, but does I, the, does this qualify them? I think they've always been up there with Duke, and if I think if you can get the recruit the recruits to come. I think that you are that organization. I think UCLA only recently started get, being able to get consistently good draft classes. They had the Westbrook Love draft class, but before that they kind of had a dry spell. I think between North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, UCLA, Duke, um, I think all of them are, have this top-tier ability to just get guys to come because they're such a big name. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I think I would agree once again that North Carolina is definitely um, – I think they've always kind of been in the mix for the best college program. I think if you can attract the best talent uh, year after year, um, I think that says something about a lot about the program, says a lot about the coaching, and it just it says a lot about the t- tradition that they have there. Um, <clears throat> you can, I mean, you can go back as far as, you know, like a decade ago, they were they had they were getting like Vince Carter and Rasheed Wallace and um, Antoine Jameson, Jerry Stackhouse. You know they had they have a, a long history of great <laughs> players. Even Jordan, I didn't even mention Jordan. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, <laughs> I don't know how you missed that. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. I got definitely got to throw that guy in there. Um, but yeah, they've always had a, a long history of having great players. And um, even though this team wasn't uh, super talented, it just it kind of shows goes to show how well coached they were and um, how much experience they had. 
and and especially in the era of like one and done players where you see you know players leaving after one year um it was good to see i don't know if it was good but it was it was kind of refreshing to see an older team uh succeed and win a national championship oh definitely i think i think the biggest thing that i've noticed in the last i guess like 5 years is that before um the last championship, which was pretty recent. They they won it only a couple years ago with Hansborough. I think that was, what, six years ago? Seven years ago. Yeah. Um, before that, their biggest brand was the fact that, that Jordan went there. That was their brand. So they sold a ton of North Carolina jerseys that had Jordan on them, and they said 23. But that was pretty much it. And they were sponsored by Jordan, and they were kind of like that that school's brand. But now you see they have their own exclusive shoes. You know, you can buy so much available North Carolina stuff is now a thing. You know, we're talking celebrities are out there repping, you know, North Carolina, which which before I always thought they were just like this nice southern school that played good basketball. And now they're becoming almost a uh, uh, like a higher level than that. Like their their branding is is getting more and more qualified the more they win. But before that, you know, like you always saw Duke stuff. You always saw I don't know how, but you always saw Oregon stuff. You always saw Kentucky stuff and Kansas stuff and UCLA. But you never really saw North Carolina outside of Jordan. But now it looks like North Carolina has become one of those schools that you'll grow up as a kid and you just love that school. Well, the best thing that they do for themselves is they win. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're coming out of high school and you're a big-time recruiter, you're a sophomore in high school or a junior and you watch that game, I know it wasn't a great game, but they had great games in the tournament. Yeah. That that thriller they had with the where May made that three-pointer to to win the game. I mean, you want to go there when you see that. You want to play for Roy Williams, you want to be a part of a you want to be on national television winning a national championship. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Um, I I will say though, the there wasn't any flow to that game. Um, from from a standpoint that the referees dictated the time, and I I will still hold to the belief that I will I will never blame referees for the outcome of a game, but there are times where they influence the the flow Mm -hmm. like referees are only supposed to be there to organize the game they're not there to dictate timing or dictate shots which you know like it happens where where people are you know there's bad referees that are intentionally bad but um it's not it's not fun to watch when when every player is getting foul calls that are their touch fouls or um you know Unless you're intentionally fouling players because of bad positioning, no one should ever foul out of a game. Yeah, you I'm, know what I mean. Yeah, I, want, I, I agree with you. I think in in certain situations, um, when the stakes are higher in a championship game like that, I think you can't really rely on the rule book as much as you do. Mm-hmm. You kind of want to let the players dictate the game. Yeah, you know, you don't want to as a ref. I know, I know it's been it's tough being a referee. I've ref like high school games and stuff. And I hate it. Like I wouldn't, I would not be a referee if I was offered a job. But in situations like yesterday, 
you want to let the players dictate the outcome of the game. You don't want to – and obviously there's a rule book. Um, you can't have your hands on a player. I'm, I'm sure they were calling a lot of touch fouls, fouls that probably, um, according to the rule book, should have been called. But I think in times like that, you kind of have to adjust and see how the way the game is going and, and kind of cater to the players and let them decide the outcome. Because if it, it always leaves a bad taste in – and not just the opposing team, the losing team, um, but the fans and everybody else watching when they when the game is slowed down and especially with both teams kind of struggling, um, missing shots. I, th- at one point they were both shooting thirty percent from the field, and it's just it just mucks the game up, slows it down. So I think that in, in a situation like that, you kind of you don't throw the rule book out, but you adjust to the circumstances. I always thought that in championship games or in tournament games, and I'm sure you experienced that, you guys have experienced that as well, that the the rules sort of back off a little bit. You let players play. You know, every finals that you see in the NBA, they let stuff happen. I know there's videos where you'll see, I I know it was a big controversy in the uh, Golden State realm that they were saying that Curry got wrecked last year in the playoffs. And he, he got hit a lot, but the it's it's the champ it's the championship. You know what I mean? You you have to let that play. So when I see it in this kind of national championship where there's no flow, there was a foul every like thirty seconds for a good little while. There's nothing. It takes forever. Like fans are getting disinterested. Even if it was a close game, there's no like real hot possessions because nobody's like answering to anything it just it just died yeah you're referring to the beginning of that third quarter where there was i think collins had two or three fouls and he got two fouls in like a minute beginning of the second their power forward yeah Yeah, the beginning of the second half. yeah that's right my my fault um but between collins and karnowski they both had four fouls i think going into the fourth quarter and they were both playing horribly already so i don't know if that was (laughs) a good or a bad thing to have them out But, but yeah so their their big guys had were in a lot of trouble. So one thing I was thinking about, and I was going to ask you, Chewy, because you you've played in the system, and I usually pride myself on the knowledge of rules in games and why rules are there. What is the reasoning for having halves in college basketball instead of having quarters? Yeah, because I I I used to have like a little bit of a knowledge of the rationale, but I think I've lost that even to the point where I can't even argue it to anybody. Because someone asked me yesterday when I was watching the game and I didn't have a good answer. Yeah, I don't have um, the correct answer. I could just offer you my opinion pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I think the reason for having halves is I think it, it speeds the game up. You know, instead of having four quarters where you stop every, you know, uh, every four times, um, having a two halves kind of speeds the game up. Um, and then you have – you have the t- you have like the media timeouts and stuff, so that's kind of like a break in an, in a, if, if itself. So that's a, that's what I would answer just to answer your question. I think it would just it just speeds the game up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So let's think about this. You have timeouts at sixteen, twelve, eight, and four. Right. Every four. Yep. So that's four timeouts per half, and then when you're playing quarters, there's timeouts at five minutes okay and that's your only one you get that not including the ones that the players or that the coaches institute that's we're just talking purely media timeouts so you're actually you have more breakup in time you're taking four minute segments in 20 
minute halves mm. instead of five minute segments and quarters. Does that like how does that affect does that affect anything you think? Well, because that's the biggest difference right there. Yeah. In high school, um, we played quarters. So <laughs> transitioning from high school to college, it wasn't it really didn't make a difference as far as like performance, I would say personally. So I, I don't even understand the relevance of having two halves as opposed to two, four quarters. Um, I wish I could answer the question better. But if I, I really didn't see a difference, like transitioning, obviously the game is different. Um, you know, the players are bigger, stronger, better. But as far as having two halves and four quarters, I didn't really see a difference at all. Well, that is definitely something that I'm sure there's science yeah, that's interesting, behind that. Yeah. And there's some stat that proves proves something. I know the introduction of the shot clock in recent years and the introduction of, you know, making the shot clock shorter and then now having that charge line. Or what, what's that called? The charge circle yeah. underneath? Yeah, yeah, that. Like, all of that changes the game in, in different ways, and it, and it makes it so almost like you're playing at, like, pro-level rules. Yeah. And they're talking about, you know, moving the three-point line back another six inches. <laughs> Are they really? Yeah, they've been talking about it for a couple of years because as three-pointers, as three-point shooters are getting better, you know, that's why they moved it back originally because it was getting too easy. It also spreads out the floor for, because if everybody's, you know, six eight, and the three-point line is at the, the high school level, there's no room. Yeah. So you got to spread it out. But um, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that's that's getting switched around there. The college game does seem a little bit more congested when I see it on TV in comparison yeah. to the NBA game. Uh, but when I watch Chewy play or I announce a game for Chewy, I don't notice. When I'm, at, when I'm at an Edinburgh basketball game, I don't notice that the court seems smaller. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but when I watch the NCAA championship game and there's seven footers out there, <laughs> and I'm watching the game. It feels more congested. A pick and roll doesn't have the same feel to it, obviously. Um, most of the time when they're running a pick and roll, I've even talked to Coach Cleary about this, but a lot of times I'll I'll nitpick and I'll be like, why why do you run a pick and roll and all you guys do is just pick and separate? Like there's no roll, there's no seal. Yeah, and so he's just—he told me one time that it's just to keep guys moving because sometimes there's not going to be anything there. Yeah, but you have to keep moving. Everybody has to be involved in the offense, and that's like the best way to do it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely about spacing. Uh, I think in the NBA, there's like rules that won't allow you to clog up the lane. So in the NBA, there's naturally going to be more spacing, mm -hmm. and obviously the players are better. So it looks like that it. It looks like the floor is more space, and it actually is. In college, you can kind of play zone and clog up the lane and stuff of that nature. So that's probably why the floor looks smaller to you in the yeah. college game. I would agree. I definitely would agree with you. I've always there. thought the difference between D3, D2, and D1 was the transition from 3 to 2 was the physicality. So, like, D D3, the physicality is yeah. different because they're generally the same height as D2 players for the most part. Mm -hmm. Not the whole way, but, like, they're within like one or two inches, but then and they're but they're D two is way more physical. There's yeah. a lot more contact, a lot bigger players. But then when you get to D one, you're talking about huge height difference, and you're talking like top tier uh, lifting coaches. You're talking, 
you know, practices year round. You're it's a it's a whole different there's a whole different amount of time being spent there. So I, I get that. Do you have, do you think that there would be a, a change where they actually change it by like uh, competition level? Or do they are they gonna keep it consistent? I don't think they're gonna change it. I think the I'm pretty sure the D one you get to become D one by the amount of students you have at your school, I think it was. Because there was a school back where I'm from and they're transitioning to a Division One basketball program because they have, you know, like forty thousand students, you know, but they're 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 a Division Two school. Yeah. And I think that the main reason for them transitioning is because they're a big school. But I wouldn't say that they can compete. But it's there, honestly, there is a lot of D one schools that D two that good D two schools could compete with and beat. Yeah. I of think course. a couple of years ago we beat a D one school. We beat um, Miami of Ohio yeah. two years ago. So And they weren't even – people kind of see that, like, wow, they were D1. You guys beat them. It was – we really had better players than them. You know what I'm saying? They mm, were just yeah. – they just had the namesake. So I think it's just about the size of your school, to be honest. Yeah, and you're talking about there's some there's some schools out there that could be they're, – they're just ranked D1 because of their size, but they right. have no authority right. in that realm, so they're never going to bring in players – the only the only way they're going to bring in players is the fact that it says Division One on their banner. Exactly. And like I know Slippery Rock plays Penn State every year, and half the time they're right in the game. Yeah. And Penn State recently has been a lot better than they have in probably the last I don't know twenty years, but they that that right there says that if if you know if Slippery Rock can keep with Penn State, it's not really about the ranking; it's more about the program. Yeah, I would say because like IUP, you could argue could yeah. match up against some really nice schools. Yeah, and and you guys gave them trouble. So what does that say about you know Edinburgh? Yeah, I would say the main difference, um, when you get to the high major Division one schools like the schools we were talking about early, the Kentuckys, there's obviously the talent gap there and the size, but as far as like mid major and low major Division one schools. Good Division two schools can compete with them and probably beat them on most occasions. Yeah. So it's just when you get to the Kentuckys and the North Carolinas and the Michigan States, there's the difference there. Yeah. But mid-major, low-major, D2 schools can compete. I think it's, they just lack probably the size. I don't know. You guys have the computers on you, but which what ranking is the Akron team? Akron Zips, do you happen to know? Because I know they're, they're one of those schools that they beat nationally ranked teams every year. And they're not quite, you know, Akron University isn't the biggest school out there. Right. Um, you know what I mean? So, actually, a couple of those guys went pro. And uh, not in the NBA, but in the D-League, they had a couple of representations over the last couple of years. And, obviously, they're sending guys overseas. So, I don't know. I, I it's just interesting that there's that ranking, but there's so much ambiguity when you get to the lower end, D one. Or you're talking about a school like Penn State Barron, that is like a super small school. They have like what two thousand students, and and they're one of the programs that they'll they'll compete with anybody in the PSAC, and they'll be right there with them the whole time. There's like quality players out of them. I don't know if that has anything to do with their coach's the coach's son as their point guard or anything, but that kid's good. Yeah, it helps to get get him on your team. Did you guys play Baron Chewy? 
we um we didn't play them this year. We scrimmaged them. How'd that go? We beat them. Yeah. By a lot. Yeah, like oh. we we got up to a slow start, but we ended up getting them pretty good. I think uh, I think I don't was it last year we were in a close game with them. Yeah. Two years ago, we we like set a record in Macomb. I think we scored like 140 something points. But you know what? I remember that. Yeah. I was at that game. Yeah. yeah. But last year it was competitive. Like it was a close game yeah. for for a long time. So. And they've had. I I always look at Barron and I get disappointed because I see players there that they had they had like a six eleven starting center that was good. He was good. Yeah. And yeah. I look at that and I go, if he could play for like Edinburgh or if he went and played for Gannon this kid could go make money playing basketball but instead he's playing for Baron and he could still potentially go make money but he's definitely not at the he's not going to excel he's just going to he's going to plateau right so i don't know i i always it's always interesting how that works i know their recruiting process is very good over there though so with that guys we're going to take a um three-minute break we will be back and uh we're going to talk about russell westbrook a little bit because there's some controversy there that's been coming up in the last couple days there's no controversy i know mike's gonna love all of it and he's gonna say no to everything that we think and then we will also be discussing some uh politeness over on the uh, washington golden state game and everything that went on with that so with that we will be back after this you're listening to the student voice of edinburgh university we're fighting scots of edinburgh radio 88.9 wfse edinburgh
just walking over to me this must be fake my lip starts to shake how does she know who i am and why does she give a damn about i've got two tickets to Welcome back to On the Boards. My name is Josh. In the booth with me is Mike and Chewy. And uh, before the break, we baited with the um, discussion that there was a little bit of controversy with uh, Russell Westbrook. And Mike's over here shaking his head. He has a Russell Westbrook um, shrine in his bedroom, I have no doubt. Um, So... You can say those prayers when you get back because we're going to talk about it. Um, Chewy, I don't know if you want to bring it up and then we can kind of discuss it a little bit. But uh, there's some stuff being said. Colin Coward mentioned it and a couple other sports broadcasters. But a stat came out and uh, it kind of takes the triple-double to a different level. So I don't know. Do you want to mention that? Yeah, basically the stat was that – he doesn't contest perimeter jump shots. He kind of just hangs out in the lane and, and you know, waits for a rebound to come his way. And then they were talking about how um, DeAndre Jordan, who's a center, has contested more threes than Westbrook has contested. And then they proceeded to showing videos of him on free throws. Um, his players, his teammates would box out but not go after the rebound. And then he would kind of go in and get the rebound. So the the argument was that he was kind of um, cheating the game out of like out of like four or five rebounds um, in order to you know kind of chase stats and get a triple double. Um, I don't want to be the one that kind of downplays the greatness of getting a triple double, but when you see the videos and you see stats like that, and you just see you see him kind of fishing for rebounds, it's hard to kind of validate the triple double because he he's actively going after it's not like i mean obviously there are times where he's pursuing a rebound in traffic you know it was a real rebound but when you see st- stuff like that and stats like that it kind of it kind of makes you question a little bit but i'm not i'm not going to be the one that downplays his triple double i think it's amazing what he's doing but that that's that it, it makes you think a little bit what are your what are your thoughts Mike? <laughs> all that's true but in my opinion, in my honest opinion, 
Westbrook to me is his value isn't in his ability to get a triple double. His value is in his ability to play at a hundred percent every second he's on the court. Yeah. I've never seen a player that's capable of doing that. I know that I know that Adams and Cantor aren't diving on the floor for rebounds that Westbrook's got in his hands. Like I I understand that they they want to see him do better. They want to see him get the triple double, so they're gonna let him get specific rebounds. Just as if I played with a like a forward and we were buddies, why well, I'm not gonna be like trying to get a rebound over him when he's trying to pad his rebound stats. But um, his defense definitely isn't as good as I want it to be. But at the same time, we constantly talk about. Hard and not playing defense enough. LeBron's team is playing very poorly right now. His defense probably isn't helping. Um, there's certain players for sure, like maybe maybe Steph Curry. There's definitely been times with when Kevin Durant was on the Thunder, I remember when he was criticized for his defense. Yeah, yeah. But I think that happens because of the offensive load that he carries on the team. I mean, he scores 32 points a game. And he assists on 20 or 20 to 30 points a game. So I think like contributing to 60 points a game for his team is probably has, a, has an effect on that. But I don't know. I'm never going to say anything bad about him. So <laughs> What I think is I think the fact that he's kind of fishing for rebounds in, the, in that manner gives people the impression that all he cares about is stats. You know, mm-hmm. And then he yeah. doesn't care about winning rings <clears throat> or – you know, winning, winning big, obviously, it just it gives people that impression. I wouldn't. I'm not going to say that because you can't say anyone that competes as hard as he does. You can't really say that they don't care about winning. Yeah. There's no way you compete as hard as Russell Westbrook does and not care about winning. And everyone's seen the comebacks this year and the shots yeah. that he's made, yeah. that he's put himself in position to make. So. Yeah, yeah, you can't, you can never, you, one thing you can't argue is his heart, and I think that's what a lot of people, a lot of, like, former players kind of respect, especially, like, the old school players. They respect his heart and how he never, he doesn't take a game off, doesn't take a playoff, unless, obviously, it's to get a rebound or something. But other than that, I I, I have, I have still have full respect for Westbrook. Um, I still don't have him as my MVP, but I can definitely respect what he's doing, so... See, I you take it. Um, so they were saying that not only was he he's leading the league and as far as the lowest amount of contested outside shots, he's like the lowest player yeah. in that total. Yeah. But he's also the lowest player that has uncontested rebounds, which are rebounds where there's n- there's no opposing player within. I think it's like five feet. Of okay. The rebound. So he's he's the lowest, or the, <coughs> he's like, leading in that. Oh, okay. He's so, leading in that. Okay. So if someone's shooting a shot, and there's nobody in the paint, like off a transition, and there's nobody there, he's getting rebounds that are not like um, contested. Right. Now on the other end of that, I know I know. Anytime you see videos on YouTube, you can frame that as yeah. much as you want to look, however you want. And I totally saw like I saw that bias as soon as they put that on there. I'm like, okay. Well, first of all, you're not even showing two in the same game. You're showing one from, like, seven different games. Right. Which is totally, like, I get that because it, it stands out when it happens. 
but you see that all across the board. The two bigs will take the guys out on the re- on the um, foul shot, and then the guard goes in, grabs the rebound, and it ha- it happens. Mm-hmm. So you give the guy an extra one. But I think my bias with all of this, it reminded me back. We're going all the way back to when um, Harden and Durant both played for Oklahoma City. So I'm sorry, Mike, but we're going to bring you back to those days, the good old days. And when they were there, there was a time Russell Westbrook needed an assist and a rebound to get a triple-double. And it was about five minutes left in the fourth quarter. And um, so they were running the ball through him. And it was pretty obvious that they were giving him the ball more than he would have normally had it then. And so they end up giving him an assist off of a guy that took three dribbles and then laid it up. And I see it. You see it all the time. You, like, you actually do see it every once in a while where they're like, <laughs> assist. Like, now, if it's a leading pass and it's at half court and the guy's wide open, I don't mind that being an assist. But this player clearly made the play, and it had nothing to do. And so I looked at that, and I was like, okay, so Oklahoma City over here, some statistician over here is just, like, giving it to him. And then right after that, they gave him a rebound that was grabbed by Adams, and then he jumped up and took it from Adams, and they gave the rebound to Westbrook after Adams had already established the ball. So <laughs> I, I looked at that, and they ended up, uh, whoever was broadcasting, I think it was Stan Van Gundy, was like, this is, there should be an asterisk next to this. Jeff Van Gundy. Jeff Van Gundy, yeah. sorry. Sorry. Um, I don't really care for either of them, but. Um, I like Stan. <laughs> Stan's our coach right now. He's, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Detroit's doing their own yeah, thing. Yeah, we're going in the wrong direction right now. But you get what I'm saying there? Like, I wish there was a little bit of, sort of like the way referees need um, accountability. Like, if there's bad calls, they need to have somebody, like, accountable to that. The, the statisticians that are handing these out, I don't like that. So when as soon as I saw this video, I immediately thought back to that specific game. And I thought, okay, so if this has happened then, I wonder how many times we've missed one number. Yeah. And I'm not – and I seriously, I think Russell Westbrook is doing something historical, and I'm not taking away from his ability because he's not, he's not entering in all these things. Other people are enabling these things to happen. Right. So it's none of it's his fault. And I would seriously, I would pick him for my team if I had the option. I would, I would want him to be my franchise player. There's no, there's no part of me that is is taking that away from him being amazing. Out of all the players right now, you pick him. <clears throat> um, I'd still go Kawhi Leonard, okay. but that's for because he plays 100 percent at a different, at a different temperament. Yep, in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. But but I I agree with you, Mike, that you're saying that he he plays at a hundred percent. He plays with so much heart, and everybody sees that. But it's contagious. Yeah, and people want to play with him. Not not everybody, but like not KD. <laughs> <laughs> but look, if they get one more three point oh, shooter man. on that team, they're gonna. Be, if they get a good three point shooter, like if they would have picked up Kyle Korver, if they would have picked up like Jarrett Smith or somebody like that, like that kind of player. They'd be amazing. Yeah. So. Yeah, one thing to add on to that, though, I think uh, getting a triple-double is is so amazing that I think his teammates want it for him. 
You know, I know he definitely wants it, but it's clear that his teammates want it for him. They want him to get the record. Um, and I, I think if I was in that position, I would want it for him too. If I was a teammate, I'd probably be like, here, grab this rebound, you know, yeah. or, you know, get this. Because a, a triple-double, it's really – it's extremely hard to get if you think about it. It's incredibly hard to get a triple-double. Especially the, when you're averaging 30 points a game. Yeah, you know, it's and even ridiculous. even though his usage, it's exhausting. Yeah, his yeah, it's usage exhausting. rate is extremely high. You know, the ball's in his hands a lot, but even with that, there have been nobody else has done it. Like one player has done it before him. Yeah. So you kind of have to give him credit. And yeah, he has the the ticky tack rebounds here and there, and kind of, you know, for you can see he's going after the triple double, but they're they have a winning a winning record when he gets a triple double. I think they're like. 31 and 9 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, a, it's a better percentage. Yeah, you sure. can't you actually can't dispute that if they're winning. Now, if they were losing, then you have an argument, but they're 31 and 9 when he gets a triple double. You can't you can't even really argue that, you know. So, that's the, my take. The on. problem is with with Westbrook is that even I'll admit this, even even today <clears throat> if they got a guy like Blake Griffin on the team, he might not average he wouldn't be averaging the same numbers he's averaging now, but he'd be trying to, and that would, and then that would, in turn, hurt hurt a guy like Blake, not his numbers, but his, his the way he plays and uh, his his efficiency and his rhythm on the yeah. court. But yeah, definitely, I think I mean it's just it, with anything like that. Um, when you're a great player, you kind of want to be able to showcase your talents, and I think yeah. I think he knows he's not in contention for a championship. So, um, I, I know what I, I would definitely push for MVP if I was him. If I know that he my team, though. huh? He probably won't though. You don't I think? Don't, it, I don't think he's mentioned it all year. For what? I don't think. I don't think Russell. I think every single time he's asked about the MVP race, period. I think he deflects it. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's not going to say it. Yeah, he's just. He's not going to say. It. In the back of his mind, he wants it though. Oh yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Oh yeah. He wants it. And I think I think he deserves it. I I think he deserves it. I don't know if I would say he deserves it more or less because I'm still on the boat with that. I'd be okay with co MVPs for the first time. I but would too. he's in a tough year. But that's simply because he's playing at a better level than James Harden. But James Harden's playing with a Rockets team that's looking like they could actually they could win if they're on. Yeah, they could win it all. They could which, for sure win, which hasn't been a, something that the Rockets have been able to do, and probably, whew, since and, since T Mac. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And yeah. The, the thing with Harden and Westbrook, their stats are identical. Har- Westbrook averages one more point. Um, Harden averages one more assist, and yeah. then Westbrook averages two more rebounds. It's just the fact that Westbrook is averaging a triple double. But the yeah. turnovers is Westbrook's five point. Four and I'll look up. I'll look up. Harden's up there yeah, too. Yeah, he's up there. Harden. Yeah. I'll look up where Harden's at. But I also think his usage rate might even be higher. Who? Uh, Harden's? Harden's. Yeah. I, don't I, know I, I would be surprised. It would. It, it wouldn't surprise sure. me. It was, it's I'm very. Cl- I think it no. wouldn't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, sorry. Their 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 uh, turnovers are right at five, about the five. same. Yeah. About so their their stats are pretty much identical. Yeah. And then I mean, obviously, you can make the case that Harden has a better team. <clears throat> Which he does, but people didn't know that at the beginning of yeah, the year. Yeah, you keep talking about that. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I didn't think the Rockets were going to be that good. Sam Decker just had surgery on his hand. Did he? Yeah, he broke his hand two oh, days geez. ago. 
So, but the thing it's is, he's he's <laughs> supposed to be back. He's good. In four weeks, and it was his offhand. So, oh okay, that, which is fine because all he was doing was shooting threes anyway. He was and, a, he was a college player that I didn't think was going to be very good, and he turned out awesome. And all of a sudden, he was just doing things yeah. on the court. Yeah. I wish Kyle Singler could do that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Singler is the worst. <laughs> he played for the Pistons. Oh, uh, who's the guy? Um, uh. Adam Morrison. Yeah, yeah. He that went to Gonzaga. Yeah. Did you see him at or did you see any of the they have videos yeah, of him at the game? The, he had the practice jersey on or something. He, he looks, had jersey on. <laughs> he actually looks nice. Like he looks like a respectable human being. This yeah. is how he used to look. Opposed to the mustache and the like <laughs> and the Beatles hair. hair. <laughs> I I sent that. I don't, I'm one of those people I'm annoying on Instagram. I send videos to people constantly. Yeah. I do and too. I sent that video to probably twenty people. I was like, "Do you remember Adam Morrison? I forgot about this guy, and he looks good. Completely he looks forgot like about him, huh? Com- I completely forgot about him. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was hilarious. So, so I have a question for you guys. All right. In terms of the Oklahoma City organization and their success, that I'm sure they'll have as long as he's on the team. If you were the GM of that team. How would you feel about where the team is right now? Would you feel okay with it, good about it, or bad about it? I would feel – I wouldn't feel good with it because – we you have I, a ceiling. You have an obvious ceiling. Yeah. I mean, we've got a superstar. So, I'm, I feel good about that. Right. I would say that. So – One that's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. It he's not look like Exactly. Anything. He's loyal to the city. It looks like you've got a, one of those players that kind of plays for one team throughout his career. So, right. that's a good thing. I would say that um, we probably need another one, a scoring wing. Do you realistically think that that can happen? I do. I do. I mean, when when KD left, that kind of gave Westbrook a, a bad – kind of put a bad connotation next to his name. Like, sure. why would you leave Westbrook? But it's like I think there are players that will want to play with Westbrook. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's like has like the LeBron effect where it's like everybody wants to play with LeBron. But I think that he they can adep- they can definitely attract um, a, a marquee player, and I think we're we we're overachieving right now. Um, I didn't really see them doing much. Um, I th- actually thought they would be right where they're at, like kind of like the sixth, fifth, sixth seed. Right. So we're right where we thought we were going to be as GM, <coughs> and we can only get better. So I would say I'm not happy with where we're at, but. I can I see potential in the future. There there is something to um a team who just does everything they can to win. Right. No matter what. Um I I actually even though Dallas has had a bad year, I see that a little bit with them. Yeah. I see yeah. that a little bit with Carlisle and Dirk and and even a little bit with Barnes coming up for the from the Warriors. I watched them play and they look like a better team than they actually are. Which probably has something yeah. to do with the fact that their team has gotten better throughout the year, <clears throat> but winning is contagious for sure. Yeah, for sure. And whether or not that's good for the Oklahoma City Thunder long term, um, is still to be proven. But I'm with you. I think that if they just keep winning and keep playing, luck may come, it may not, but <clears throat> this is the best way to go. It's the only way to go. Yeah, they're stuck with what they have. Yeah, and they molded their team around. <laughs> if you look at that team, it's perfectly crafted to make 
Westbrook better. Yeah. They have rebounders, defenders, and are they're slowly acquiring more three-point shooters. It's, and that's what they're doing. It's crazy to think that um, Harden was on that team and KD was on that team and Westbrook. And, like, they were on the same team. And Ibaka. And when Ibaka. everybody thought he was going to be, like, a Hakeem. That's incredible to think of. I remember watching – I remember watching them make that playoff run when Avaka was averaging like three, four blocks a game yeah. in the playoffs. In the force. And when they let Harden go, I said to myself, essentially what they're doing is they're getting what they can for him right now, and they're picking Serge Ibaka. Like they think that those three players are better than yeah. Westbrook, Harden, and Durant. Yeah. They And at the time, it wasn't a crazy thought. Yeah. Abaka had been playing basketball for, I don't know, actually, I think he played. He's played his whole life. His parents played, too, professionally. But um, he was looking very, very promising. and He's still good now, but not the way that <coughs> yeah. people thought he was going to be. Yeah. So I that think, whole team is depressing. Yeah, I think it's I think it's disappointing how they've they kind of got – you're saying that they built around – Westbrook, which For they sure. have, but I don't think they've done it as efic- as efficiently as they could because they brought in, and it's not directly their fault. Yeah, because, because it's a disappointment too. But I like that they got rid of their backup point guard. Who is what's that guy with the crazy hair? Um, Cameron Payne. Payne. Yeah. Never really liked him. He doesn't doesn't look like he's, he does anything. He's talented, but he was just he's been on and off the court. Yeah. 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 He's just he goes around. But they, you guys pick up Oladipo, who I thought was like, that's an awesome pickup. I did that's too. That's a nice pickup. And then he doesn't – he's averaging 16 a game, but he doesn't, look, he doesn't look like he's doing anything. His 16 a game aren't like him creating shots. It's not him. And I, I don't know if it's just because of the fact that there's no opportunity in practice to create shots because all your shots are coming from Russell Westbrook's like chest passes or something. <laughs> But it's not Never like... Never bounce passes. Or he doesn't throw back. bounce passes. He, he He's not he's not weak like that. He throws one-handed <laughs> bounce passes. passes that are full court. Yeah, That's yeah, his always bounce. The court, yeah. But you get what I'm saying? Like Always chest passes. I don't I don't know if they need to... I like their pickup of that that uh, that young guy uh, from... Was he from Gonzaga? Uh, yeah. yeah. Sabonis. 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 Yep. I like that pickup because that kid could actually... He he looks like he's got some one on one game. He's got a low he's post game, yeah. and he's he, and he can shoot, but he's got that like smart mentality. I just think like the Oladipo thing kind of, that's what took you guys from being a six to being a three. That like possi- right there. potentially because because if he if there's somewhere where they can work him in more, or like somebody like that, not specifically him, but if they whoever that second guy in their team is. Because it's always toss-up who that second guy could be in any game. Mm-hmm. But if they could get that second guy to step up and get 20 points or, like, 22 points a game, that changes everything from them. Because then it becomes Russell Westbrook doesn't have to run down and shoot a three, like, right off the bat, which he does. I see him do it every game, and every time he makes he – sh- he shoots it at, like, 30%. It's and like he, a, and he it's, defeats his entire team every it, time he shoots it, that ball. It's like, why would you run down the court if he's going to do that? They all hang their head. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, is if you can get another player to get, like, one or two more touches and take away one or two more shots from Russell Westbrook, that's actually going to help 
immensely. So if you want to call Oklahoma City and tell them that, <laughs> I'll try. My, I'll do try your my best. best because I'm sure that they're going to listen to this radio show and they're going to sign me as a scout. So <laughs> just bring us with you because I need a job me coming too. up here. Pretty me soon. too. So, to but anyway, that's I don't know. I think that like if they could get a player to to get more touches, like one other player, that that does it. It's I, like bringing in. Um, is it Darren Williams or Deron Williams? Darren Williams. Darren Williams. Yeah. I've heard it so many ways. I don't know, but when you pick him up, he takes away one or two touches from LeBron and and Kyrie. But they're smart plays, right? That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. I think I think I don't want to stand this too much longer. We don't have too much time left. But I will say that there there is a sliver of hope for this team to be somewhat similar to like. The Pistons team that won the championship, maybe if Adams becomes some sort of like Ben Wallace, and then <laughs> Oladipo is is a sort of like Rip Hamilton and Chauncey Westbrook, and there's there's so much difference between all those there players, obviously. Yeah. But but there's players on that roster that are young enough that if they develop the right way, and they develop efficiently, that something could happen. What's your timeline on that, though? Because Russell Westbrook can't be going at this speed for more than three more years. Well, I don't think they can win a championship when he goes at this speed. Neither do I. That's my that's my hope. Is my hope is that he hits 32 and he's like, oh yeah, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not quitting. Yeah. There's no way I'm not gonna play anymore. So you're gonna see. That's the most excited I am about any player in the NBA. Yeah. Is what is the the one player I've seen in my in my life that plays the hardest is Westbrook. What happens when he can't play that hard anymore, and he has to play like like Chauncey Billups when yeah. he won the championship, yeah. or, or like Jason Kidd when he won the championship, and all of a sudden things slow down and you had to adjust. That might be his best possible opportunity. Yeah, well, I agree with that. Um, one other thing we should probably hit on because it it's it's more of a uh, manners thing, but it's still interesting conversation in the NBA. Uh, the whole uh, Warriors beating the Wizards, which I thought was going to be a pretty good matchup, ended up not being as competitive as it turned out to be. But uh, still a high-scoring game. No defense at all. <laughs> pretty sure they scored like 46, 146 points. That's what I like to see. Yeah, we know they it's fun. Defense. It's fun well, to I don't watch. Think <laughs> it's fun to watch, but admit, watching the Grizzlies like shut down a team is really fun to watch. It's yeah. awesome. It is. Between so, Conley and Allen, it's anyway, awesome. Sleeper pick sleeper pick in the West. They're always a sleeper pick. If yeah. they show they are, up they and they the definition. I would love to see them like completely shut down the Warriors. They as do. much as I you know what I mean? Like yeah. that would be really fun. Yeah. They almost got them two years ago. Yeah. But I don't want to go too far off topic. But anyway, <laughs> um so uh, Chewy brought this up to me. I wasn't aware of it fully but um, JaVale McGee shot a shot at the end of the game and they were trying to get Draymond to triple-double, which we've already talked about, and I'm sure that's a whole thing, but end of a game, Chewy, let's, let's just go from your experience. What's the... If you're up, do you just run out the shot clock and then get a shot? Some kind of, kind of shot within like a minute left Yeah. when you're up? Is that kind of how you do it? Or um, I think... At the end, of, at the end of, in my experience, if I was up, um, 
I personally would have taken the turnover. I would have taken it. Um, I can understand why some people would want to shoot it and not get the turnover. Um, but I think if you're up, clearly you're going to win the game. I'm going to hold the ball, you know, and just in respect for the other team, not kind of try and show them up. That's what I would do in that position. So so what sure. exactly happened? I think they passed it to Javel and he shot a three. Yeah. And well, there was time still on the shot clock yeah, yeah, and the yeah. game was over. and Pretty much. The game, the, there was like um, – couple minutes left in the game they were trying to get Draymond a triple double they were already up by 20 so they're kind of like you know running up the score trying to get Draymond a, a triple double mm -hmm. and then the game is almost over um there's like 10 seconds left but the shot clock's about to go out and JaVale shoots a three Brandon Jennings pushes him because he, he felt disrespected yeah he felt disrespected and then there was a whole kind of ensemble after that why and is why is Draymond even on the court Exactly. Steph was on the court, too. He had 40. He was still on the court. So it was kind of like the Wizards thought they were being disrespected uh, by the Warriors with all their answers. I can see. That might yeah. be an authority move, though, because if they have to play the Wizards. Of course. Yeah. In the West in the finals. Yeah. And they're like, we don't care. We're going to just destroy you guys. Where was <laughs> the game? It was in Golden State. In Golden State. Yeah. Okay, so I can understand that. For one, you want to keep the fans excited. Right. Two, you want to treat an East team with some disrespect. <laughs> like, I get yeah. that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I do, too. But um, I don't know about the JaVale McGee three. That might just be – he gets – he is – He's goofy, man. He, he's goofy. He's good. He plays well for he them. Does. He does. He looks good out there. It might be the first team that actually, like, takes care of him. Because usually they kind of like he does something bad and the team just looks the other way. Like this team actually like they look, joke with him and then they'll throw him a lob again right yeah. after it. Like they don't they don't hold on to anything there. But yeah, I don't know. I don't. Well, to conclude conclude our show. Sure. I, I do want to mention that I'm very happy that head wrestling coach Tim Flynn decided to to continue being the Edinburgh wrestling coach. Because there was there was talk of him going elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, talk of that had that had truth to it. Um, because I mean the man's been here for twenty years. He's committed a lot to the program. Yeah. Can't blame him for for that. Um, but and then along with that, I wanted to wish best of luck to to Coach Lustigan and and his future games in the Carrier Dome because that man's got it going on. I I saw him coach this year and. To get that that offer from Syracuse and go there and coach, I'm excited for him. Oh yeah, that's pretty awesome. I mean, definitely. That's sometimes that's the goal of coaches yeah. in this kind of level is to try to move on to get to the next level, and this is kind of one of those made it moments. To take it personally was, is ridiculous, because yeah. I mean, if if anybody who is who is saying that he shouldn't have done that, if they were in that position, they would they definitely would do the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Even players, like players, if a player yeah. was like, "Hey, do you want to go play for Syracuse?" Like, you want a full absolutely. ride to go play in the Carrier Dome for? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? I respect it completely. I didn't have a problem with it at all. It, kind of a surprise, though. Caught me off. Guard it was a player. surprise. Yeah, I was definitely surprised, but I wasn't upset about <clears> it. And I, I talked to a couple players who were upset about it, but for the most part, they they understood. You know. Yeah, I mean, you have to. You, I would be on the sidelines for those games, and there was. An obvious 
difference in coaching ability. Yeah, for sure. Between him and almost every other coach, if not every coach that I saw on the opposite sideline. Yeah. Um, whether it was the way that he handled that fight that happened during the game, yep. I think it was homecoming, yep. or the way that he ran his players out of the tunnel and was like having them do push-ups on the sidelines, like right before the game starts, like intimidating the other team <laughs> so much that like they were obviously better this year. Yeah. But you could tell. Yeah, yeah. You can he's tell a, there's a difference in his in his ability to coach. He's a special kind of coach, and he deserves to have a special kind of, you know, reward for that. And I think this is kind of one yeah. of those validating rewards. Um, any other, any other final thoughts, gentlemen, before we sign off for another week? Uh, only eight days left in the basketball season, I think. I think that was re- that's what I was reading the NBA season. So you guys want to do like ready for playoff basketball one of these nights of playoff basketball we're gonna have to go to like willie's or something like that and just yeah. watch all three games oh yeah which would be fun i always love that the first the first two and a half weeks of the nba playoffs are so fun because there's a game every night it's, and there's it's two the best part night. of the nba season by far oh it's so fun by far i will say that i hope the nuggets get into the playoffs because i want to see the joker out the there joker he's yep. my man i I'm love that fan. guy i'm and definitely then, a fan and I'd like to see the Pacers sneak in there too, because I want to see some Paul George. I, Paul I George looked Paul nice George. the other day. Get the, the Bulls, Cavs. get get Butler out of there. Amazing. He's get, gone. I hate the Bulls. <laughs> Butler's leaving at the end of this year, no question. Yeah, I think he's like somehow getting out. Where of there. are they going to go? Where's he going to go though? Uh, Boston? I don't know. That'd be cool. Somebody yeah. would take him. Somebody would be really take cool, him. wouldn't it? I'm sure there's probably like eight, ten teams out there. Oh like, yeah. I bet you Orlando would pay so much money, or Miami would pay so much money to pick him up. I don't know if his contract's up though. I think it would have to be a trade, but I really don't know. Anyway, lots of hopeful things, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we're excited because in next week there'll be only one more day of the NBA season, so we'll have a pretty good look at the playoffs, yeah. and we can give a playoff predictions and matchups, and just talk about how that. But with that, um, this is on the boards, and uh, we will be back next week, next Tuesday at 11 o'clock. Have a wonderful rest of your week. 88.9 WFSE, Edinburgh. Spoken